Welcome to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast of the Illinois Air National Guard at Scott Air Force Base. I'm your host, Technical Sergeant Brian Ellison. The Roll Call podcast focused on people, mission, and community. Thanks to all our deployed friends for listening to the Roll Call podcast. Coming up at the end of Roll Call, a tribute to our deployed friends. Also, we have our conversation with the maintenance group, Master Sergeant William Blankenship. We're going to find out what makes the maintenance group tick. But first, the Department of the Air Force released its report on the findings of an Air Force Inspector General Independent Review into Racial Disparity December 21st. The full report is available for download on AF.mil. The IG review focused specifically on assessing racial disparity in military discipline processes and personnel development and career opportunities as they pertain to black African-American airmen and space professionals. Air Force Chief of Staff General Charles Q. Brown Jr. acknowledged the critical feedback and the need to build and maintain trust between our airmen and space professionals and the chain of command. General Brown said the IG survey and interviews are noteworthy in that they empowered airmen and space professionals to provide their unfiltered personal perspectives and experiences, and they delivered loud and clear, Brown said, that racial disparity isn't an easy topic and something we don't traditionally talk about much throughout our levels of command. This report and many engagements with airmen and space professionals have increased chain of command awareness and an opportunity to build trust. Now he says that we must all move forward with meaningful, lasting, and sustainable change to do so. To read about the next steps forward and the full news story, I'll put a link in the description. It'll also include the link to the full report, which you can find at af.mil. We will uh, discuss the report findings and what they mean with leadership in an upcoming episode. The Wing is having a photo contest. We're looking for photos to display in our conference room this room hosts our distinguished visitors so that, so that these photos can be seen uh, and highly visible by these senior leaders. Photos will be credited with the photographer's name printed at the bottom and will be displayed throughout uh, all of 2021. Photos taken anytime throughout 2020 will be given preference. Send your entries to our lovely email address, 126.arw.pa.mm. Dot .org at us.af.mil. Entries must be received by midnight Saturday, February 20th. Check out our Wings Facebook page for all the details. Coming up after this from recruiting, my conversation with Master Sergeant William Blankenship for maintenance. Flight Chief. I'm Technical Sergeant Richard Olson, Production Recruiter. To learn more about career training with the 126, give us a call at 618-222-5701. But, but wait, wait there's, there's more. more. Give us a call in the next five minutes and you could qualify for four years of free college tuition. I'm here with Master Sergeant William Blankenship from the 126 Maintenance Group. He's the ISODOC Chief. I got to ask you, Sergeant, what is ISODOC Chief? Yeah, so the ISODOC is uh, where we do our inspections on the KC-135s. Uh, so I'm the shop chief of that uh, uh, area. Um, so, uh, I supervise all of the, 
maintainers that go through our airplane uh, and, and give it a good inspection before we turn it back over to the flight line maintainers uh, to do the day-to-day operations. So all across the wing, we hear about the maintenance group, this maintenance group and the ISO. What is, is this ISO something special to the 126? No, so the ISO is a mandated 24-month inspection on the KC-135. Uh, it's also called a phase inspection. Uh, they've, they've changed the books a few times. So there's ISO and there's phase. Uh, basically, it's every 24 months you get that airplane in. You're going to take it apart. You're going to find anything wrong with it, and you're going to do a whole bunch of preventative maintenance on it. What sets your ISO process apart from uh, other uh, maintenance groups throughout the wing or throughout the Air Force? So we call ours Project 14, and the reason that we call ours Project 14 is because we do it in 14 days. Uh, That is uh, huge when you look at the amount of maintenance events that are happening here. So we run one shift. Uh, and, and running one shift, we do 14 working days of, of doing this ISO process. Uh, and so what sets it apart is that we knock it out in record-setting time, and then after it's done, the quality is what really talks of it. So uh, the first 20 flights out of ISO, were 20, 80% of the first 20 flights, we're going to fly code one, uh, which means that we're not going to have any discrepancies for those first 20 flights 80% of the time. Uh, and that, that's huge. How did you guys get to that point? Yeah, so it all started in 2009 with a series of CPI events. Uh, so the ISO process was really low-hanging fruit. There's, there's a lot of uh, parts to it. Uh, and, and with it being such a big maintenance event, um, we really focused in on that uh, starting in 2009, like I said, uh, with CPI events. So we sat down. Uh, and, and kind of looked at where, where we were bottlenecking, where, where we could improve uh, and what we could do to make this a streamlined process. Uh, and, and so what we discovered is that uh, not everybody was doing it the same. Not all technicians were uh, doing the same thing every day. Um, the work cards, the TO that tells you how to do the inspection was kind of all over the place. So one, day, one time it would have you at the bottom of the wing, the next card would have you on top of the wing. Uh, and then you also have all the specialists in there doing their inspections. And so we were all on top of each other and we were all over the place. So what we did was we, we created a flow chart. And this flow chart tells you exactly what to do and when to do it. And we, we created this off of six hours worth of touch time. So we work nine hour days here, um, but we're only working on the airplane for six hours of those nine. Uh, and, and that's to, to keep everybody sustained. To we're, we're not having burnout. Uh, which by day 14, you're going to be tired if you're working all nine, nine hours of those day. Uh, so we, we have six hours of touch time. Um, everything is planned out. So there's no guesswork of what you're going to be looking at, at on that day. When you come in, you have a sheet that shows you exactly what to look at. You get your TO out, and, and the TO pages are on those sheets. Uh, so it, it makes it everything really easy. It also makes it transferable. So we, we send this to other units. Um, and, and allow them to perfect it. And we learn from those other units as well. Yeah, you, you mentioned earlier you were uh, another unit was giving you guys some suggestions on maybe how to make it a little bit better or streamline it. Yeah, so uh, right now uh, working pretty heavily with Michigan Guard, uh, and, and they're doing a really good job getting to this. Uh, and they, they've thrown some ideas out there that, that work better for us than what we're currently doing. And so we've adopted those. And that's really... Uh, taking CPI, the continuous process improvement in the Air Force, and really elaborating on that of 
truly continuing to improve that process. ISO, what does it stand for? I don't I remember if I So that's that. isochronal inspection. Sounds fancy. What, <laughs> what, what, invo- what's an ISO, what is an ISO inspection? You say this happens every 24 months. Exactly what are you inspecting on when you, these planes come in? Because it seems like not a lot of time. It, it seems like there's a lot of time, not a lot of time between 24 months. I mean, what could go wrong with uh, a plane in 24 months? But it is a plane, so I'm sure a lot. It, it is an airplane, and, and what, what uh, we always try to remember as maintainers and uh, what truly matters is anytime this airplane goes up, it has to come back down. Uh, and there are three, three people on board at any given point. And, and so that's our, our biggest mission is, is to make sure that when that airplane comes down, the three people on it come down with it uh, all in one piece. And they have a good mission and they're able to meet the mission that they're doing. Um, so what we're doing is, is we're dropping panels. We're taking uh, all the leading edge panels off the airplane. We're, we're dropping the... Uh, flaps to, to get at the rear spar. We're really giving that airplane a good look over. And the TO and the group of engineers that wrote the TO, um, they came up with the criteria of what we're going to look at. And while we're doing it, we're also doing preventative maintenance of doing a lube and making sure that everything on that airplane is how it was in the 1960s when it first came out. So you were talking that everybody has their own, their, they know what they're going to be doing that day. Absolutely. If I'm... Um, if I, if I'm working on the if I'm a I don't know um, what's the term if if I my job is to fix the boom, I sound like I know what I'm talking about in the maintenance <laughs> shop, don't I? Uh, but if I'm a, a boom fixer guy, <laughs> will I just be doing that? Will I be waiting for someone to uh, to give me that space to do that, or will I be doing other things? Well, so uh, what you identified there is waiting, which is one of the uh, aspects of waste. And so what we did was we, we eliminated as much waste as we possibly could. And, and it's still happening. Uh, the boom fixers are known as hydro. All right, uh, there you go. So our hydro troops, uh, they actually take the boom off within the first couple of days. So the boom comes completely off the airplane. They take it into their shop to do the inspection. And they take that boom all the way apart, take every panel off of it, really get in there and give it a good look over. And they're also doing preventive maintenance on that. Uh, sometimes we find an issue at the boom that we can't fix, and so we order a whole new boom for the airplane and an ISO. Um, but typically, you're not waiting for somebody else to do something, and that's why we have the flow chart to where you're not going to be standing still waiting for something to happen for you to be able to do your job. We have it all spread out to where uh, everybody's getting their six hours of touch time in at the same time. Uh, that way, you, you don't have that, that waste of sitting there waiting. If we did that, we'd probably be looking at a 30-day ISO instead of 14. What you say, it's, yeah, you mentioned that it's 14 days. Was it meant to be a 14-day process, or did you guys speed that up? So we created the 14-day process. Uh, there's, there is no timeline of how long it should take you. Uh, the actual inspection portion of it only takes about four days, and that's going off of AMC guidance that you have 96 hours of status time for that inspection. And so we're following that to a T. Uh, and then we came up with the our own flow plan of how to make sure that we get that inspection time in, we meet the guidelines that AMC has, has given us, and then we fix it in a timely manner to get it back to the warfighter. How many planes do you guys work on in a year? Because you guys don't just work on our planes. Yeah, great question. So uh, fiscal year 2020, we did uh, eight airplanes, uh, worked a little over... 18,000 man hours on those eight airplanes. Of those eight airplanes, three of them were outside units airplanes. Wow. 
Why do they? Why do outside units bring in their uh, bring in their planes? Yeah, you know, we so we open it up. We we every year we uh, we send off fleet wide to th the rest of the fleet and say, hey, if if you've got an airplane that that you guys can't get to, or if we could relieve some burden off of you, we'll gladly take one of your airplanes and, and do a phase on it. Uh, so that does a couple things for them. It does a couple things for us. Uh, so we'll talk about us first. So what it does for us is it allows us uh, to perfect our process. It also allows us training. So uh, we have weekenders that don't always get to touch the airplane. So we, we can plan to have somebody else's jet in and, and work with our weekenders and get more training in. Um, it, with the other units, it allows them to bring a phase in so they're getting two phases done at once without truly running two phases since we're running one for them. Uh, it also allows us to show our process with more than just sending an email out and saying, hey, look what we can do. It, it shows them, hey, you're going to send us our jet or your jet and we're going to finish an inspection. We're going to fly it once for you, make sure that it flies good, and then we're going to send it home. And, and uh, we actually just sent one back to, um, to Bangor, Maine. Um, and those guys were awesome to work with. Um, and they sent a crew chief, and the crew chief loved the process. And, and they're working on doing their own process right now, um, kind of twisting ours. And, and that's the nice thing about our process is uh, it's, it's not – you don't have to just do our process. You, you can twist it. You can, you can make it work for you. Um, and, and that's what Bangor's doing. That's what Michigan's doing. Um, and plenty of other units have also adopted it. But it really shows them, hey, we're, we're truly f giving you a quality product. So w when this comes out, it's going to fly code one for you. When that crew chief comes down from Maine or Michigan or wherever, is he staying with the plane the whole time that's being worked on? The whole time it's here. Really? And he's just... What is, what's his role during this? Um, so typically when the crew chief comes from an outside unit, uh, we will give them an assignment. So uh, a lot of times where we're lacking is, say, lube items. So th there's there's hundreds of items to be lubed on the airplane, and we don't always have the, the manning for that when it's an outside jet uh, because typically the crew chief from our jets is going to be with us, and they're going to be doing those items. So they'll do that. Uh, they'll kind of shadow me a little bit and see what I do. Uh, to make our process flow a little easier um, and, and really just give the airplane the final blessing. So what we like to do here is we like to sell the jet back to the crew chief. So we'll, we'll invite the crew chief over and we'll walk the jet with them and make sure that we didn't miss anything and that they're happy with everything we did. It also gives uh, the crew chiefs a chance to do some beautification. Uh, so just make it look a little prettier on the inside or do, do some nose art, that kind of thing. You mentioned the two. You mentioned phases. What are these phases that you talk about? Yeah, so a phase and an ISO are the same thing. Um, so again, that's just your twenty-four month inspection. Uh, on top of the twenty-four month inspection, uh, you also have a nine hundred hour. So every nine hundred hours on that airplane, you're going to be taking it apart, um, or it's twelve months. So um, in between our major phases, we have a minor phase, okay, uh, which is that nine hundred hour. So you're you're looking at a lot of the same stuff on those. Uh, but not everything is the same. What's been your guys, uh, what is your most difficult, most, um, uh, yeah, I guess your biggest challenge in this? Oh, that, man, that's a hard question. So the, the biggest challenge to start Project 14 was complete buy-off. Um, and, and so what I mean by that is you know, we have other shops stepping outside of their comfort zone. Um, so... 
your avionics guys that typically work on radios and communications. Now they're, they're coming in, they're helping us depanel the airplane. Um, that, that was a huge hinge pin and a, a huge bottleneck for us of getting this done in 14 days was the depaneling. Uh, and so we have specialists now coming and doing crew chief jobs of depaneling. Uh, and so the buy-off on that was pretty hard. Uh, but once we had that buy-off, we're unstoppable. Uh, and, and that's something that we hear from other units as well is it's, it's so hard to get these, this buy-off. Uh, but once we get it, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to see it. So typically on the first day of ISO, we'll, we'll have every single shop out there. And, I mean, it looks like ants crawling over the airplane, just people everywhere. What is depaneling? Because I'm picturing the skin of the plane coming off. Yeah, so it's basically the skin of the airplane um, that comes off, but it's it's the panel. So there's there's some skin that's riveted on, and the rest of the skin is held on, and it, it's a panel. So you take screws out, and the panel comes off, and uh, now you can see the components that are under the skin of the airplane. Are there special tools, special equipment that has uh, helped you um, improve on this, proce- on this process? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the last year... Uh, we just got some new maintenance stands in. So these are specially designed maintenance stands for the KC-135. Uh, and they go on the wings and then wrap around the front as well. Uh, so the Guard Bureau funded them. Uh, and when we got those in, they we were so excited to have them. They were uh, much more robust than the stands that we had. Uh, and that really reduced panel time or depaneling time by about 30%. Uh, just because everything is right there. They cover the entire wing. Uh, and, and it made think life so much easier. Yeah, I was in there with uh, Chief Williams of the uh, Air National Guard. It looked like you guys may maybe even help with, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, tired, not tiredness, but just that uh, you don't have to reach so far. You're not maybe hanging on uh, on a ladder. You're basically feels like you're on the ground and you've got all that room to work. Maybe you're not getting as tired as yeah. fast. Yeah, absolutely. So, you you know, we used to have to move stands around quite a bit, especially taking off the leading edge panels. Uh, and now you can just walk and, and raise your arms up with a drill and, and take those panels right down. Uh, so it really sped up the process. And we went a step further and uh, mounted toolboxes to them. Uh, so our former toolboxes, we'd have to get off the stand, get the tools, go back up onto the stand. If you forgot something, you were making several trips. Uh, and so we got some new toolboxes, and we mounted them to the stands, and it really increased productivity. So a joke around the, the office here with, uh, well, <laughs> here in public affairs is I like to refer to you guys as uh, the New York Yankees. You guys are always winning Something you guys are like the best maintenance group in I don't know in the Air Force. Um, what sets you guys apart? What makes you guys so great? You know, so uh, one of the great things about the National Guard is we work together uh, for our entire careers. Um, so uh, we also have active duty with us as well, and, and those those guys came in and, and they meshed really really well with us. And and the the TFA is is a great answer to. Uh, the KC-135 fleet. Um, but what, what sets us apart is our teamwork. Um, so everybody across the maintenance group is working together um, to get the job done. Um, our, our ISO process does play into that, and, and it is a huge maintenance event. Um, but doing Project 14 is going to increase your aircraft availability, your mission-capable rate by 4 to 8%. Uh, so, so that's massive in the grand scheme of things. Um, so really... The teamwork all the way from, you know, the, the colonel running the show to 
to the lowest airmen on the totem pole, uh, we all work as one team and, and we bounce ideas off each other. And, uh, you know, being in an atmosphere where everybody works together every single day allows us to be the elite maintenance group of the KC-135 fleet. We see all those banners ha- hanging in the, um, in the, in the squad, in the maintenance bay, in the, in the hangar. That's what I'm trying to say. How are those awarded? What, what are those awarded for? Okay. So uh, we have a couple of different banners. So one banner that we have is for uh, the highest KC-135 mission capable rate. Um, so we have, we have several, several of those for the past couple of years uh, that we had the highest KC-135 mission capable rate from uh, National Guard, a, um, Reg Air Force, and the reserves. Uh, so our KC-135s are mission capable more than anybody else's, which is uh, a huge testament to the maintenance that is done on them. Uh, we also have banners for our uh, black letter flights on 300 that, uh, that happened several years ago. Um, we just wanted to document that because it was a huge feat by all the maintenance personnel. Uh, you mentioned black letter flight. What is that? Uh, so a black letter flight is when an airplane flies with zero discrepancies. Uh, so a lot of times these airplanes are flying with deferred discrepancies. Um, something, something, uh, an inspection needs done or, uh, you know, there's, there's one minor part and, and the TO allows you to fly with it or it's awaiting depot level maintenance, that kind of thing. Um, and so to have a black letter flight says that there's no maintenance waiting to happen on that airplane. And, and it took a lot of coordination, a lot of teamwork uh, to make that happen. What's it feel like to be a part of a team that that's this good, if I may say that? <laughs> maybe maybe I'm being a little too cocky, but uh, that uh, what's it, what's it like to just to be a part of uh, of the maintenance group? You know, so uh, a, a team that that you refer to as the New York Yankees, I, I think a better analogy there would be the St. Louis Cardinals. I like that better. Um, I'll uh, never argue. I'll never argue with that. So, you know, it's it's a very humbling experience. Uh, you, you, I could take off work tomorrow and th- this process is still going to flow the way that it needs to flow um, because of our teamwork. So uh, it, it's a humbling experience. It's awesome to come to work every single day and, and work with this team uh, and, and get the job done. I like that. The St. Louis Cardinals. Of St. Louis Cardinals, much better than the Yeah, New I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with that. We're talking with Master Sergeant William Blankenship, the ISO Doc Chief of the 126th uh, Maintenance Group, talking about all the fantastic things they do at uh, just uh, an amazing group of people there. And just to hear everybody across the wing and pilots talk about this maintenance group, is uh, it's, it must be for you guys just uh, a great honor, or I guess if I could say a great honor. Yeah, absolutely. Or fills you with pride, at least. Right, yeah, it, it is a, it, it's very prideful. Uh, like I said, it, it's very humbling to be a part of this team and, and to watch the work that we do. So your dad's in the unit, is that right? That is correct. My dad is in the, the unit. He's in the maintenance group as well. What's it like to work with your dad or have your dad in the same building as you? Yeah, um, it's interesting, for, for sure. So that, that's, uh, that, that's, that's a guardism, definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, me, me and my dad get along really, really well, and it's nice to have somebody there that you've known your whole life that you trust to be a, a mentor and help guide you in your career um, and, and to have somebody that, 
will have no judgment when you go bounce a question off of them and say, hey, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, so it, it's really nice to have that. Uh, it, you know, everybody always says the guard's a family. Uh, and not only is the guard a family, but there's a lot of family working in the guard. Yeah. Uh, your dad is uh, Chief Master Sergeant David Blankenship. Correct. Yeah. And what's his role over there? Uh, so he is the CM chief. Uh, so he is the chief over uh, most of our specs, our specialists. Okay. Um, so uh, he's over avionics and, and hydro and jet shop, uh, just some of the, the more specialized maintenance guys. Um, and then his counterpart, my chief, uh, Chief Durant, um, he's over uh, us and R&R and uh, sheet metal. So those, those two work as a team to, to coordinate all of the maintenance events going on. So what's, is it difficult to have your dad as a chief, or is there, is there certain rules that say you can't be in the same chain, chain of command, or how does that work? You know, I, I think the way those rules are are that there has to be a level of separation between us. So my dad's not in my chain of command, which is awesome. I'd love to keep it that way uh, for my entire career or until he retires. That would be fantastic. Um, it's, it's, it wasn't ever weird. Uh, you know, when I came into the guard, he, he was already in the guard. Uh, and, and this unit moved from Chicago in 99, and uh, I was eight years old at the time, and I moved with the unit. Um, so uh, it was never really weird, and it was always really nice to have his office to go to and say, hey, wh what am I doing wrong here? Or, hey, I need some help here. And, and, and for him to be uh, my dad and be able to, to give me that advice, but also to give the, the advice that he'd be giving as a chief already. So why did you join the Air National Guard? So with my dad being in, it, it was something that I always saw, and, and um, you know, it, it's a good career. Uh, but I didn't join the National Guard as a career move. I, I actually joined to uh, pay for college. So um, the National Guard in Illinois has great benefits. Uh, oh, yeah. Go to school for free uh, and, and get paid while doing it. Um, so I joined the National Guard really to go to school and to, and to gain a skill and to serve my country. Um, and that kind of blossomed into a full-time job and, and a career uh, that you, you can't trade for anything. Uh, we work a great schedule here, 549, so we have every other Friday off. And um, you learn a, a skill that going to college wasn't going to teach me. Um, and, and I work with some of my best friends. So uh, the guard has been the best thing to ever happen in my life. Minus my wife and kids, of course. Of course. Why, uh, so what made you, I mean, it's, I mean, I think I, we know the answer to this, but what made you choose coming to the 126th? Well, it's a, it's a family ordeal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so th there was no question of do I join the Guard or do I go active duty? Um, active duty definitely has its benefits. You get to, to travel, you get to move around. Um, I, I wasn't ready to do that. I, I wanted to stay here. And like I said, the, the plan was to go back to school, which uh, it, it took me 10 years, but uh, it finally happened. But um, Good job. Hey, thanks. Um, I think it yeah. took me 20. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it happens. You, you come into the garden, you want to go to school, and you realize, hey, there's, there's a career to be had here. Um, but th there's plenty of guys, plenty of my weekenders that, that go to school full time. Um, it's a great opportunity. Um, it just active duty wasn't the route for me, and and the one twenty six was already a family, so uh, that that's why I came here. Are there any jobs available in uh, in your in your that that you know of in your vicinity in your hangar there that um, somebody who's maybe 
interested in full time or just uh, a, a regular uh, duty uh, guardsman uh, might be interested in that you know of? You know, right now I don't know of any full time positions available. What I do know is that we're always recruiting for weekender positions. So uh, you come in one week in a month or you're, you're 15 days a year, you have opportunities to p- deploy. Uh, one of the great things about maintenance group is we typically only deploy for 60 days. We're, we're not, uh, you know, those six-month deployments, those 15-month deployments. Um, so that that's a, a great way to see the world. Um, and, and they're always recruiting for maintenance positions. Uh, I, would, I would get with our recruiting department and uh, reach out to them, and they will coordinate with bringing you in, and, and we'll gladly show you what we do here. What did you do before you became the ISO doc chief? So when I first came in, I came in as R&R, which is Repair and Reclamation, also known as AR. Um, and so they are the maintenance guys that do all the flight controls and landing gear maintenance. Uh, so that's the really heavy maintenance. They're, they're rigging the flight controls. Uh, they're pulling flight controls off. So when I say flight controls, I mean like your, your flaps, your ailerons. Oh, okay. Uh, all, all the big components of the airplane. Uh, so the, I came in as a weekender doing that. And then uh, full-time went to the ISO dock. Uh, and then I actually bounced back full time to R and R, and then I actually left for a little bit uh, to the civilian world. Uh, realized the civilian world is not as cool as the National Guard job, and so I, I came back. And when I came back, I was in my position back in the ISO dock for about uh, five months. And the former ISO dock chief uh, left, and I uh, opened up a position, and uh, I was lucky enough to be selected for it. Wow! Congratulations, that's uh, great. I, I know how. I feel. Yeah, I'm I'm on a tech position right now, uh, temp tech position, and I'm just like, okay, how do I stay in this job? Right. It's uh, you can't beat it. It's I, the best kept secret. It is. It is indeed the best kept secret. I got to ask, what was your uh, college? What'd you get your college degree in? Uh, so my degree is not completely done. Uh, oh, I, okay. I have about one year left. It's in industrial management and applied engineering through uh, SIUC. Uh, so they offer a program here on base uh, where it's every other weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday, the entire day, or both days, uh, and your degree will be done in 18 months if wow. you follow their, their plan. It sounds like a pretty intense program. You, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. So with what I do here, uh, I, I got introduced to CPI, which is the Air Force's Continuous Process Improvement, and I loved it. And I really wanted to see what the outside world had to offer in it. And uh, this, this program is very heavy in Lean Six Sigma, uh, which is the outside world's version of CPI, uh, just a lot more math involved. Um, so when you're going to school for something that you enjoy and you do every day, it makes school a lot easier and a lot more fun. That's great. So you moved down here from Chicago when you were eight? I was eight years old when the unit came from O'Hare to here. Wow. Do you remember what that process was like? You know, it? It, was, it was kind of a blur. So I, I don't say that I'm from Chicago because I, I really grew up here. That's what I'm uh, talking about. <laughs> um, so it was, it was kind of a blur, but, um, you know, the, the, the whole unit came. And, and so, um, you know, you really leaned on the unit as family because now none of your extended family is around. Um, and and do, do the maintenance of, or the, the wing events that we would do. Uh, so I, I remember as a kid coming to our – Christmas events, which due to COVID, we didn't get to have this year. But yeah. now my kids look forward to those same events. That's, that's, that's special. That just shows that this wing has uh, really started to extend its roots into the community. 
Absolutely. And you're a Cardinals fan, which is great. How did you leave Chicago and they uh, they let you leave and become a Cardinals fan? Well, so, uh, you know, like I said, I, I don't really claim to be from Chicago anymore. I really grew up here. That's uh, great. And, and when you're this close to St. Louis, um, I don't think you really have a choice but to be a Cardinals fan. That, that's right. That's <laughs> completely, that's correct. My, w- my son was born in uh, Wyoming and... Uh, he told me one. He told me when he was like six or seven that he was a Rockies fan. I said, "Yep, you can, uh, you can start walking now. You can sleep right outside, son." But he's come around. He's he's nine now. He he knows, he he knows what team to root for him. Okay, uh, Sergeant Blankenship. One more thing before you go. The chief was just here. The chief of the Air National Guard. He was talking about men uh, possibly getting uh, uh, beards. Which I'm all for because I ride a bike in the I ride a bike all year round, and uh, I usually like this Friday I was or Saturday I was running around with my my uh, my my uh, gator neck over my chin because and I was like man if, if I could only have a beard uh, that would cover that up but uh, that would be awesome so that may be coming down and now I understand I don't know if this is true I mean it's, it's shorts for maintenance where do you stand on this you know. Uh we have a policy here of, in the winter, stay warm, right? Uh, so you can't always stay warm with the, the gear that, that we can get. Uh, so we'll go out there wearing a Carhartt jacket or whatever we can do to stay warm. And I really like the fact that we're getting to stay cool as well. Um, so uh, especially downrange, uh, and, and that's where this kind of stemmed from, of these, these guys are always hot. I mean, it, it's, it's not cool out on the flight line. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you, if you can wear shorts and do your job and it makes you do your job better, I'm all about it. All about some maintenance shorts. Does this mean you have to still wear the boots? Well, of course. Boots and shorts? Yeah, I, I think that's the look we're going for. Uh, I think that's a really good look, actually. Uh, we'll see if my wife will let me do it in the summer to, to kind of get used to it. it. It makes me think of, uh, you see those old Vietnam, you see those Vietnam movies where the guys are out on the fly line with their white t-shirts on, their dog tags out, shorts and, uh, and uh, boots. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good look. Let's get back to it, uh, especially with a beard. Oh, I'm, man. I'm all in. It, th- that's that's where the Air Force is going, and, and I couldn't be more on board about it. All right, thank you, uh, Master Sergeant William Blankenship, the ISO doc chief. Thanks for coming in and talking to us again. You're from uh, the 126th Maintenance Group. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. How cool is it that we have a maintenance group that is this great. They're rock stars of the maintenance world. And really, they are the Cardinals of of maintenance because the St. Louis Cardinals of maintenance because the Cardinals have developed what's called the Cardinals way, which is a very professional, very uh, just methodical way of going about their business and everyday life and how they conduct themselves on and off the field. And if you don't follow the Cardinals way, you're, uh, you're out of there. And uh, I'm not saying that's how it is in maintenance, but, I mean, they are the cream of the crop for our in, in maintenance, and it's just uh, awesome to hear about all the great things that they do there. Because Colonel Jackson recently took over command, he has to conduct a climate assessment of the wing. He is asking us all to take the climate survey no later than February 21st of 2021. That's the end of uh, February drill. This gives you the opportunity to let the commander know about any work issues that concern you the most. The survey is voluntary. 
You can find that link from the uh, climate survey in your military email. The combined federal campaign is going on now through January 15th. CFC is the world's largest and most successful annual workplace charity campaign with almost 200 CFC campaigns throughout the country and overseas raising millions of dollars each year. Pledges made by federal civilian, postal, and military donors during the campaign season will support eligible nonprofit organizations that provide health and human service benefits throughout the world. Don't forget to check us out on social media, including our YouTube page. You can find all of our links to our webpage and YouTube at our new link tree. It's a funky kind of uh, address. It's linktr.ee forward slash 126ARW. I'll put it uh, the link tree description uh, in the in our description. If you're watching on Facebook or Instagram, you get to see my awesome mustache. Yeah, yeah, I think it looks uh, pretty cool. I didn't like it at first, but now that I ride my bike outside in the winter, man, it really keeps that upper lip warm. I only got to put the gator over my uh, over my chin. It's, uh, it's a pretty sweet stash. I think it's about as uh, nice as... Uh, as uh, General Nizamis's was in uh, 2000. I'll share a picture of that. You can also download this on your uh, favorite podcast app as well, which uh, you'll see all that in the link tree if you uh, go to link tree. If you want me to highlight someone or something on roll call or have an event you want highlighted, send us an email, 126.arw.pa.mm.org at us.af.mil. This is the last podcast before Christmas. Take time as you can in the coming days to relax and recharge. Connect virtually with your uh, friends, extended family. That's what we're going to do on Christmas Day. And, uh, of course, connect virtually with your uh, with members of your unit. Let them know that you're thinking about them on uh, this Christmas Day. That's what I like to do at the beginning of Christmas is let everybody, in, the, in uh, at least in our office, uh, wish them a Merry Christmas. The pandemic remains a significant risk, so take precautions protect yourself and keep your family safe. I want to end this podcast being released right before Christmas with a soldier's silent night. It was uh, written by Lance Corporal James Schmidt. He originally called it, well, it was written, he originally called it Merry Christmas, my friend. We've since called it a soldier's silent night. He wrote it while serving as the battalion counter sniper back in the, uh, it was 86 or 87. This guy's now an entertainment lawyer. It's pretty cool. But he wrote this back in the 80s. He wrote it. He was at the uh, Marine Barracks in Washington, D.C. He wrote it while he and his fellow Marines waited for the commanding officer's Christmas holiday decorations inspection. While other Marines decorated the barracks for the annual Christmas decoration contest, Schmidt contributed his poem to his section. Over the years, the text of Merry Christmas, My Friend, has been altered to change the Marine-specific wording into the more generic term soldier and to incorporate the lined-ending rhyme changes necessitated by those alterations. To our deployed friends, we miss you. We'll see you soon. Twas the night before Christmas. He lived all alone in a one-bedroom house made of plaster and stone. I had come down the chimney with presents to give and to see just who in this dwelling did live. As I looked all around, a strange sight to see, no tinsel, 
No presents. Not even a tree. No stocking on the mantel, just boots filled with sand. On the wall hung pictures of far distant lands. Medals and badges, awards of every kind. A sobering thought came alive in my mind. This house was different. It was dark, it was dreary. I had found the home of a soldier. I could see that most clearly. The soldier lay sleeping, silent, alone, curled up on the floor in his one-bedroom home. His face was so gentle, room in such disorder, not at all how I pictured a United States soldier. Was this the hero of whom I'd just read, curled up on a poncho, a floor for a bed? Then I realized the other families that I saw this night out there lies the soldiers who are willing to fight. In the morning around the world, children would play. Grown-ups would celebrate a bright Christmas day. But they all enjoyed freedom each month through the year because of soldiers like the one lying here. I couldn't help but wonder how many lay alone on a cold Christmas Eve in lands far from home. The very thought brought a tear to my eye, and I dropped to my knees, and I started to cry. The soldier awakened. I heard his rough voice. Santa, don't cry. This life is my choice. I fight for freedom. I don't ask for more. My life is my God, my country, my core. The soldier rolled over and drifted to sleep. I couldn't control it, and I continued to weep. I kept watch for hours so silent and still as both of us shivered from the cold night's chill. I didn't want to leave him on that cold dark night, this guardian of honor so willing to fight. Then the soldier rolled over with a voice soft and pure. He whispered, carry on Santa, it's Christmas day, all secure. One look at my watch and I knew he was right. Merry Christmas, my friend. May God bless you this night.